Okay, let's pray first. Lord, we want to uh, commit this time to your hands. Uh, but praying with Paul, Lord, grant us, O oh God, wisdom and share our lives together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sure some of you have some testimonies. Uh, I mean, mean has some testimony about this prayer. Okay, so I'm going by this book. If you can get this book, it would be great. Uh, it's by Don Carson. You know, name doesn't get any more larger, bigger than this name, okay? Uh, D.A. Carson, called Praying with Paul. I mean, I got three books on, on prayer. So uh, I'm finding this book very, very, very exciting. It's recommended as number one book by my uh, professor, which is the chairman of Reformed Theological Seminary, Dr. Duncan. I'm so glad I got that. Let me just sort of give you some of the uh, introduction, and then we'll open up. There'll be discussion questions as well. Okay, I, I highlighted a couple of few things that I want to bring up. I'm just going to read this out. What is both surprising and depressing is the sheer prayerlessness that characterizes so much of the Western church. Do you agree with that? I said, uh, what is so surprising and depressing is the sheer prayerlessness that characterizes so much of the Western church today. Okay, the reason is that uh, if, you come, if you go to churches in Asia or, or even, I don't know, Africa perhaps, culturally, and that, you know, they are more exposed to the supernatural as well culturally, and, and uh, they, they just pray a lot. I mean, like, like our background, we have watch night service. Have you heard of that? Yes. Watch night service, like we pray to you next year. <laughs> pray to the next year, so to speak. We have all night prayer once, uh, once a quarter, the old days, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I just want to say this, that it is a recognized fact, and it's not from me. And this, these are big name theologians, and uh, uh, say the Western church suffers from prayerlessness. This is a problem we need to, so it is surprising because it's out of step with the Bible. Okay, out of step with the Bible, and portrays what Christian living should be. It is depressing because it frequently coexists with abounding Christian activity that somehow seems hollow, frivolous, and superficial. Do we need that thing there? It's so noisy. Oh, it's, it's competing with my voice. You can put it somewhere else, far away. Thank you. Whew, that thing is loud. Uh, so, so this, what it's saying next is, is depressing. So I want you to feel that prayerlessness is depressing. People don't, people don't Christians don't understand it is depressing. Things is, so what? We are all busy and uh, church is sometimes boring and I just don't get, and I, I don't exactly understand. So, so I just want to lay some of the, the theological groundwork and practical groundwork. It's depressing because prayer coexist with all our activities in church and a personal life and a lot of these activities sometimes definitely what somehow seems to be hollow hollow frivolous and superficial compared to prayer we miss out the most important thing and we major on a lot of things that we do which is shallow and superficial in comparison all right so the less disturbing is the enthusiastic prayer in some circles that overflow with emotional release and is utterly, not, uh, utterly uncontrolled by any thoughtful reflection on the prayers of Scripture. So prayer needs to go hand in hand with meditation of Scriptures. 
One of the best prayer is pray the book of Psalms. You read the book of Psalms and then you spend time reflecting on it. Prayer is like responding to God. You know, the best book of prayer back to God is the book of Psalms. Psalms gives you how David prayed to God. He is the, like the most uh, eloquent and powerful anointed guy in the Bible in terms of prayer. Okay, but this book we are going to focus on how Paul prays. Paul's prayer is another level, really high up, and it's because Paul's prayer is so gospel-centered, it's very, it's it's a, it's a far more uh, cutting edge and relevant to us today because we don't live in the Old Testament per se. But you can combine the two; it, it's just really, really cool, really great things. Now. You know, prayers uh, cause brings around revivals, right? You know that, right? And the Welsh revival was 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 started with by prayers, and all the pr- revivals in the world through prayers. If we don't pray, the Korean revivals in the last few decades uh, turned the nation around. One of the most Christianized nation in the world, with what thirty percent of the nation are Christians. Fried totally Buddhist nation. Why? Have you been to a Korean prayer meeting? Have you seen that on the TV video? I've heard, I've watched the video a couple of times. They, because they are, they are so fervent in prayer. You have, yeah. Well, I was preaching Korean churches. They have a prayer meeting. Sometimes five o'clock in the morning, come together. Five o'clock in the morning, Korean churches. I guess maybe that's why the Koreans are. Oh yeah. That's the way I was in the Korean churches. So five o'clock in the morning, and we have difficulty to come from Wednesday night eight p.m. prayer, guys. So <laughs> we can. So it does show you a point. It's not how easy you make it for people to come to prayer. It's how much, you know, your heart has been molded. I'm, you know, I, I don't think the the Koreans are more spiritual in any in this sense. That is my blood. Stop praying. I think it's maybe too dry. Okay. So, so what? So what I'm saying is that it, it's not that they're more more spiritual, but they, they the the culture and also the discipline of the nation is so powerful. Without going too t- too much Excuse into that. Excuse me. Yeah. If you go like this, yeah. and put your head down, it'll stop. Okay. Or you stand at your head in the corner. No, it's not. Put your head back. Face in the air. One time I was in the subway. I had a nose bleeding. And I had no tissue paper. It's, oh. it's bloody all over. It's so embarrassing, awkward. And there's one passenger, the, the, and the husband and wife, the, the woman... She was standing up and getting out. She saw me. I was like, oh, so awkward, man. And then she looked, she put out her, her tissue and lots of tissue to me. And this, you would like to have to take this, take this. You know, this is just some good people around, you know. I mean, the subway. Subway is not the best culture things in New York City, right? Do the old Chinese tradition. Wrap on some fishbowl and stick it in the nose. <laughs> That's how the Chinese eat. Fishbowl. They happened to me one time when I was preaching over there. Yeah. Um, and nose bleeding? Yeah, I just started bleeding, gushing right on. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Remember that day? Drinks a lot of blood? Yeah. I wasn't there. I wasn't yeah, too hot. Is it? Is it possible? Wow, seventy-five. Just make it sixty-eight, please. Okay, let's let's carry on. I'm okay. All right. Um, one of the things that we do not pray enough is because we don't have enough knowledge. We, we, what we urgently need, the book says, is a deeper knowledge of God. When, once we don't know God enough, how, you know, all my sermons basically want to tell, tell, tell you who God is. What does He think? You know, what is His heart's passion in all this? That's why I'm very big on the vertical. Uh, the horizontal part, like my daughter asked me, what about the horizontal? I said, horizontal, you are only a human unit. There's only so much you can give. Once you tap into the vertical, your horizontal is just in a simply overflow. Right? So you have to get back with God. That's why I'm so big with, with God. I have a blog as well. You guys want to check that alnew.com as well. I write occasionally. I, I should write more, actually. But I'm so bogged down with my, my classes. Um, that... It's called God-centered orthodoxy. I want everything to be God-centered. I, you know, there's a big thing called gospel-centered. I don't even want to take that. I want God-centered. Because I think gospel is an expression of who God is. So I want God to the source of who God is, you know. So the deeper knowledge of God, all right. So when it comes to knowing God, many of us constitute a culture of the spiritually stunted. Spiritually stunted, we, so much of our religion is packaged to address our felt needs. So that, that's, that's another thing. And they are almost uniformly anchored in our pursuit of happiness and fulfillment. You know, our faith, with, our work with God cannot be based on, on our felt needs. Felt needs is important, but it cannot take a major part of work with God. Because, because if we go major on felt needs, that there is no reflective of who God really is. Jesus did say, right, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all this, uh, his righteousness and all these things will be yours. And he said, look at the birds in the sky. They don't work nothing. Your heavenly father clothed them. And they're here today. Tomorrow they're gone. How much more? <clears throat> See, this is all the, the words about felt needs. Religion does not work. We, when we come to God, we ask God to meet our needs. But we got to go beyond the felt needs, all right? So at in order to do that, it's a deeper knowledge of God brings what is what improvement in other areas. Okay, let me read this. In the biblical view of things, a deeper knowledge of God brings with it improvement in the other areas mentioned. Purity, integrity, and willingness to sacrifice, evangelistic faithfulness, better study of scripture, improved private and corporate worship, better relationship with the brothers and sisters in Christ, a heart for the lost with much more. But if we seek these things without passionately desiring a deeper knowledge of God, we may be running after God's blessings or pursuing God's power without running after Him. So, let, me, let me just explain. We need to, a, a minute to think through all this stuff now. He's saying that, you know, if, if we, even if we go 
if we pursue the right things like purity, integrity, and, and feed the homeless and sacrifice and all this stuff, you know, evangelize and all this, and and uh, and uh, and a uh, uh, better relationship, brothers, sisters, and all this. But if we seek these things passionately, without first of all desiring a deeper knowledge of God, we will be running after God's blessings and God's power without running after Him. This is very true, right? If you get this one today for Sunday school, that will be enough, you know? Just, just you need to reflect on this is uh, like, you know, this is like test the big name to the Lord. I, I want to glean what they've got and they just share it with us and think about that. That should impact your prayer and now my prayer. So, okay, let, what it's saying is that you cannot, the, 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 going deeper knowledge with God and our prayer must go hand in hand together. You cannot just go in, in praise. A lot of times the prosperity doctrine is really wanting to pray, God, uh, help me this, help me this, feed me this, do this, do that, you know. So much so that people are calling God as a vending machine. That's even worse. But what he's saying here is a lot better than that. It's actually going for purity, integrity, and all better relationship. All the good things, all the right things in the Bible, and yet that is not enough. Because if you pursue only this without wanting to go deeper knowledge of God, then we'll be risking ourselves going after God's blessings, God's power, without going after Him. You want the package, but not the Exactly. You, you really want the giver and not just the knowledge. You want, so you really want to know who God is deeper, everything. So, you know, like, like what, I sh- what I share about the heartbeat, the passion of Jesus. Basically, I share the pa- passion of Jesus, right? The heartbeat of Jesus this morning. So, once you know that, then it should impact your, your prayer. Then you increase your prayer, work in life, okay? So, let, next, next thing is, um, one of the fundamental steps in knowing God, I think we will we'll not go too long on this one. One of Knowing God, one of the basic demonstrations we do know God, do know God is prayer, spiritual, persistent, biblical-minded prayer. There are different types of prayer. Prayer, you, you, you want to go for the prayer that is biblically-minded. You want to be persistent prayer. You know how easy it is to, to give up prayer for certain things because it, we are only human. You know, spiritual, persistent, and biblical-minded. Have you heard of this guy called Robert Murray? I can't pronounce this. Machine. John, what is it? M. Machine. Machine? Yeah, he's, he's a, this is a Scottish name. He said this. When what a man is alone and on his knees before God, that he is and no more. You like that? Let me say that again. What a man is alone on his knees before God, that, that is who he is and no more. It does humble you. Yes. Right? That's it. And, and uh, you want to find the, the man of who really he is when he's on his knees with God alone. That is exactly who he is and no more. We can have no showing up, no time to tell people. No, the, the, we, just like what Jesus said, when you pray, close the doors and go into the closet and pray on, on on, with God the Father. You know, your reward shall be great in heaven. That's exactly what he wants. You see, how do you know all this stuff? That's called knowledge of God. If you don't learn the theology, the doctrines, the rich thinking, and the uh, philosophy from this, 
from this exposition of the scripture that you don't know who God is. There's a book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. If you haven't read that book, highly recommend to read that book, J.I. Packer. I may be writing a big, big paper on that book, uh, on my personal devotion. That professor is very, very demanding. I already read three books just for that one credit hour, but it's crazy. But I learned so much, though. So, <clears throat> so if you ignore that, you, you, we have learned to organize, build institutions, publish books, insert ourselves into the media, develop evangelistic church planting strategies, administer leading discipleship programs, but it's not obvious that we have forgotten how to pray. Activities drown out prayer. I like to see Wednesday night really as revival. I, I think a good parameter of our church health and growth will be, won't be Wednesday night. You know, how many people come and how the heartbeat and everything to do that, all right? So let me just show you a couple more things. Um, granted, most of us know some individuals are remarkable, remarkable prayer warriors. Is it not nevertheless true that by and large we are better at organizing than agonizing? Better at administering than interceding? Better at fellowship than fasting? Better at entertainment than worship? Better at theological articulation than spiritual adoration? Better, God help us, at preaching than at praying. The final, the final, uh, the final straw is uh, it can be a better preacher than a, and, than, than a, and a prayer himself, pray, praying man himself. So prayer is really so important. So I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then we'll discuss dialogue now. Then, but before that, is a verse James chapter four, verse two to verse three says, "When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures." All right. So, the goal of this uh, this this prayer item is that. We are uh, is to to have practical advice on prayer, and with prolonged meditations on some of Paul's prayers. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, uh, I'll be here in uh, uh, two more weeks, twenty third, right? Yeah, twenty third and thirtieth. I'll be here because the next two Sundays I'll be Doreen and I will be in Florida. We're doing I'm doing my hybrid MDiv, very intense. Uh, so, but when I get back here, we'll continue with this one. Um, so I do want you to, so the, the, the approach is we want to have practically how to pray and also the uh, meditations on how Paul pray from the scripture. Paul's prayer reveals a lot about the knowledge of God. You know? His prayer is doctrines. Let me just tell you this. His prayer is not like personal prayers. His prayer is the inspired Word of God that is inside the canon. That's inerrant, inf- unfollowable. Uh, it's, 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 the, it's inspiration of the Word of God. I'm sure there are prayers by Paul is not inside the script, inspired Word of God. But that prayer is inside the book, that is inspired Word of God. You know what I'm saying? It is not just his prayers. Those prayers are the inerrant, inspired Word of God, inspired by God, by Holy Spirit. So that's why it's so powerful. 
I'm not saying that every prayer Paul prays is that powerful. No. But those prayers captured inside the book in the epistles are the ones we're going to go, go for. And they are the inspired word of God. All right? So God's word must reform our theology, our ethics, and practice so that we can reform our praying. Reform is change, right? Transform. We want to reform our prayers by, uh, by the theology of, of God's word so that we... Uh, the chief purpose of the, of, the, of the book is through some of Paul's prayers. We may align our prayer habits with Paul's prayers. We align it. We want to learn how to, what to pray for, what arguments to use. When we pray with God, we, sometimes we argue with God, we, tell, we plead with God, what's the reason, what's the, where we are, and God likes that. And what priorities we adopt, what beliefs should shape our prayers. And much more. Okay? So, we, we, we might have moved towards this goal by examining the prayers of Moses, David, Jeremiah, and Daniel. But this book, this session, we're going to look at Paul. Okay, let me ask you two questions here. Let's open it up and talk a little bit. Number one, what is the most pressing need in, in our local church? Defend your view. What do you think is the, is the most pressing need of Lilac Church? To love one another. As, as I have loved you, I mean, you have to love each other like Jesus loved us. He died for us. That's a heavy duty love. You're right, right, right. It has to be possible to do what it said. But I don't think it's not like this church. I don't understand if it can exist. Oh, really? So you, you know, you have been to this church before, right? Oh, yeah. Ah. There's a, there's a... So I'm not putting anyone down. I'm, I'm including myself here. I'm not showing anything like well, you're absolutely right that that's the number one marker yeah. for Christians, right? Jesus said they'll know you by your love for one another. Right. So that is the number one. And it's a sh something I've been striving for. And I don't know how to do it. It's definitely not a physical kind of... Idea. So what do you think would be the... In lilac context, what would the, some of the expressions, some of the things you, you like to see to, to kind of for, for people to feel... Uh, that kind of love more? Well, in my view before this whole COVID thing, it may seem weird because of the COVID thing, but what did the early apostles do? They met together and prayed. Yep. They met together. They didn't call on the phone. They didn't do any of these weird things. They met together and they ate, not because they wanted to hang out and have donuts and fellowship, the whole food fellowship. You know? Right, right. They actually hung out because they were hungry and they chose to share their meals 